Welcome home to the sanctuary, a place of rest for the broken and weary, where you can let go, cause you're fully known by forever, daddy. Oh, how we love you so. I know it's time to feel Thank you for visiting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We pray the following message will be encouraging to you. Listen in as we start taking away the layers of religion and discover the joys of a relationship with the Creator. Isn't it awesome how we can just change, when you change the object, the direction of the, of the worship, how things change? Amen? I mean, you, whoever wrote that song probably wrote it, they wrote it to a woman. And you can sing that kind of, you can sing those words to a woman and get but so far. But when you, when you take those lyrics and you put them in the, in the, in the way towards the supernatural, then you're talking about some superhuman results. Amen? I feel superhuman. I don't know about you guys. I'm feeling good. Amen. Anybody here for the first time today? Welcome. Welcome. Let's welcome them. We're just going to put you put something in your hands. And then uh, usually we ask you all to come up and share and tell us about your life. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I love just getting that look. <laughs> we love you guys. We welcome you. All right, all right. I like to start each morning uh, with a quote. Here's my quote for this morning. He who is plenteously provided for from within needs but little from without. I want you to listen to it again. He who is plenteously provided for from within needs but little from without. Amen? Well, if you're just joining us, we're on a journey through the book of John. And what's been so awesome about that is that as we, you know, we're, we're going through what for some people are some very familiar scriptures. Right? The Gospels... The Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are, are full of some very common passages, some really familiar stories. And if you've been in church a month or two, you've heard some of these stories. If you grew up in church, you've heard these stories forever. Amen? But my heart and purpose for this series and what I believe God wants to do through it is that we would add to our hearing walking. That we would add to our hearing, doing. And that's why the title of this whole series is Walk It Out. Amen? See, because it's not enough to hear. Romans 10, 17 says, faith comes from hearing the message. So when we hear, faith is built up. But what is our faith built up for? What do we want more faith for? Is it to just believe? See, James 2.19 says, You believe there is one God? Good. Even the demons believe that. And shudder. But do you want to know, O oh foolish man, faith without works is dead. 
So believing without doing something is whack, to put it in a real theological term. It's weak. Amen? I want our faith to be built up to the point that we're walking it out. I don't want to hear, just hear the same stories again and again. I want to hear it, be built up, and then walk it out and apply it in my life. Because if I walk it out and if I apply it in my life, how many of you know that it affects not only me, but everybody around me? Amen? Most of you are not here because you chose yourself and made a decision. Most of you are here because somebody in your life walked it out. Amen? Somebody, come on, thank them, thank them for that. Thank them, if they're here, thank them for that. When you walk it out, people around you are changed. And that's the whole point. That's the whole point. Pastor Gary started John chapter 6 last week and he shared on the story of the feeding of over 5,000 people with one kid's junior happy meal. And if you just listen to that story and, and said to yourself, man, I've heard that story 86 and a half times. Half because I walked out on the last time I heard it. And, 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 and if you say, well, yeah, it's great. People are hungry. Jesus cares the disciples by saying, how are we going to feed these people? They say, I don't know. We got one happy meal and they don't even got the drink or the toy. And, and, and Jesus tells them, listen, just take what he, Jesus takes what they have. He gives it thanks. And then he makes them start serving it. Can you imagine the, the, the fear and the passion in these? And when, when he says, just start serving it. Father, we thank you for the happy meal. Puts the fish nuggets in their hands and says, start serving it to these 5,000 people. See, it's not just another story. What God was saying is, whatever it is you have, if you give me thanks in my hands, it will be more than enough. More than enough. Gary's whole theme last week was more than enough. And the whole point is that my God is more than enough for me, for you, for us. He's more than enough. When I need counsel, His wisdom is more than enough. When I need guidance, His word is more than enough. When I stay faithful, His favor is more than enough. When I step out in faith, His protection and provision is more than enough. When I abide in Him and He abides in me, His power is more than enough. And, and, and listen, listen, listen. Listen. When I fail, when I fall, His grace is more than enough. Amen. When I come back to Him, when I turn my thing around, and I come back to Him, His forgiveness is more than enough. I believe somebody needed to hear that this morning. God is more than enough. If there's one thing I hate about religion, is, is not only, besides the fact that it limits us so much, it's the fact that it limits God so much. See, we don't serve a man-made God who needs the lights from our candles to see. <laughs> 
We don't serve a man-made God who needs us to put fruit on a plate and set it before a ceramic statue so he can eat. I can't feed my God. My God has to feed me. Come on. Come on. Come on. If, if you're serving a God that you have to feed, that's a pet. That's not a God. God has to feed you. Amen. We don't serve a man-made God that we have to carry or support. We don't serve a man-made God that we, that, that we have to carry around and, and keep in our pockets for good luck. We don't serve a man-made God who makes us talk to his mother or his mother's brothers or his sister's cousins. In Jesus, we have full access to God and we can speak directly to God. If you've been serving any of those gods, just stop. Stop. Because he's weak. And it's no wonder you're failing. It's no wonder you're miserable. It's no wonder nothing's happening. You're serving the wrong God. Amen? Religion limits God. God isn't enough. God is more than enough. I love the scripture, Ephesians 3.20. It says this, Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine. Immeasurably more. Do you know what that word means? That means more than can be measured. More than can be measured. To the God who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us. Listen, listen, because here's the key. There's a key there that unlocks these scriptures. God chooses to work in us and through us. Some people are always crying and whining. How come God won't do this for me? How come God won't make this happen for mine? I asked God to do this. I asked God to do that. A lot of times, listen, a lot of times it's things that we're happy later on that He didn't even answer. Come on, anybody happy for prayers that God didn't answer? Man, I remember being on a ferry one day and I got so seasick. The ferry was just going like this. And like this for like a half hour until I was green and stuff was coming out of me in every angle. And I was in this bathroom hugging, hugging this dirty porcelain bowl. And I remember clearly praying, God, kill me. And I was dead serious. Anybody felt so sick you ever just prayed, God, just please kill me now. Please, God. And I begged and begged as, as, as stuff was, as the trip felt like it was nine hours. I was like Gilligan, you know, on a... I mean, this, this was, I just prayed and, and I remember being on a plane one time and the plane was dropping and, and it was a little propeller plane. It was the worst. I remember saying, God, just, just kill me. And it's such a selfish prayer because I'm, I'm saying, forget my kids, forget my wife, forget my family, forget everything I got going on. Just kill me because I can't take what I'm feeling right now. Anybody been there? Can we say, praise God that he didn't answer that prayer? Come on. Anybody ever ask God to give you somebody? Can you say praise God? He didn't answer that prayer. <laughs> oh boy. Oh boy. See, God's power works within us and through us, not for us. And, and, and you ever heard somebody say, listen, that God thing doesn't work for me. God doesn't work for me. That is a revelation from God to that person. You're absolutely right. God doesn't work for you. 
God does not work for you. God doesn't work for us. But when He abides in us, and He, he works in us, and with us, and through us. See, uh, the problem is, a lot of people that come into God, is that they don't want, they don't want Jesus, they want a genie. We want the creator of the universe to serve us and work for us. That's like an ant coming to you and saying, you make sure you feed me. You make sure you leave bread on the floor. You make sure, and, and us looking at the ant like... <laughs> and then following the trail to the ant hill and just be like... But we want the creator of the universe to respond to us, to, 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 to do what we tell him to do. God, this is the woman I want. Make sure you make her fall in love with me today. God, this is the man that I want. You make sure you make him. I know he's a dirty, no good player, but God, you can turn him around. Turn him around for me. Come on, don't fake it because you prayed it. The problem is, you see, we want to tell the Alpha and the Omega, the one who is and sees the beginning and the end, and we want to tell them what's best for us. And too many times we want to try before we buy. We say, God, I serve you at a distance. Too many people want to download relationship with God. Listen, God is nobody's mistress. He makes it very clear in His Word. We're married or we're not. I'm the love of your life or I'm not. I, 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 you will be my bride, but I don't want you as a girlfriend. Amen? You're either with me or you're not. Let me give you a picture. Listen, I've been fighting a cold and flu and whatever this, this crazy thing has been for like three weeks. And, and, and this big revelation came to me. I found out that you could have all the medicine in the world sitting in your house but knowing that it's there won't help. Carrying it around with you will not help. Reading all of the labels and knowing all of the things that it can do will not help. May even even memorizing all the directions. Oh, I hope somebody's getting this. Even memorizing all the directions that are on the bottle will not make it work. It has to get in you for it to work. It has to get in you. It has to abide in you. I found that some medicines won't even work right away. They got to get in you and be a part of you. They got to go through your system. They got to get in and out of your bloodstream and go all around your system before they can work. It has to start making its way through the whole system. And even then it doesn't work for you. It works with you. It works with your antibodies and with this and that and blood cells and this blood. It works with you to make you well. Have you ever thought of it that way? Our relationship with God is just like that. You could know all about Him. You could read all about Him. You could memorize all the directions on the bottle, but it won't change you one bit till you eat it. Till you eat it. 
until it gets inside you, it will not change you. John 15, 4 says, remain, live, dwell in me, and I will remain, live, dwell in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. It'd be foolish for you to go to a garden and cut down these beautiful vines of roses and beautiful flowers and then bring them to your house and put them in your living room and expect that they would continue to flower, that they would continue to grow, that they would continue to, to bud and bring forth fruit and, and foolish, wouldn't it? But yet in our Christian walk, we do exactly the same thing. We separate ourselves from the vine and we think just by visiting the flower shop on Sunday, just by looking at the pretty decorations, just by grabbing some branches, we think if we bring it home, we'll be changed. But, but, but church, it's got to get in you. You got to eat it. It's got to abide in you. Somebody say amen. Listen, if you've been sold a different story, I'm sorry. If somebody told you that you could come to church, get emotional, say a prayer, and never have another problem as long as you live, they were lying. I apologize for that. You could get, if you get yourself before a professional preacher, I mean like a professional preacher. I mean, this guy is professional. He's been doing it forever. He can talk about albondigas, preach a message on meatballs. And, and, and man, it's, he's so good and he's so, he knows how to use the, you know, it's so good that by the end, the vegetarians are crying up in the front. You just like, oh God, oh God, that meatball story, God. Right? Because, but, 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 but you see, it's more than just getting emotional. It's more than, than somebody preaching cleverly. It's more than, than somebody manipulating you and getting you to cry a little, getting you to tug on your heart a little so you could come forth and feel like I cried and whatever and I'm changing. No, it's more than that. It's more than that. Jesus said himself, in this world you will have trouble. You're going to have trouble, problems, issues. But he says, but fear not, for I overcame the world. Amen? But watch this. The point of that passage is that I overcame it, and if you abide in me and I'm in you, that makes you an overcomer. But it's all contingent on the assumption that we work together. You can't just know he's an overcomer. That doesn't make you an overcomer. Knowing Jesus is an overcomer will not make you one. Psalm 34a says, taste and see that the Lord is good. Taste and see. Do you see the action in that? Taste and see, not smell and see. We got too many sniffing Christians. Not, not oh, that smells good. Oh, I like what they're doing in this church. Oh, I like what they're doing in that church. Oh, that smells good. I think I'll, I'll, I'll be a member here. Oh, I think I'll... I'll and, and sniffing. No, the word says taste and see. You got to eat it. It's got to get in you. 
And that's the title of this message, Taste and See. Because the rest of that verse says, Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. Blessed is the man who takes refuge in him. See, in the first passage of John chapter 6, John uses the disciples' obedience and the provisions from one young boy to feed well over 5,000 people. It means whatever we have, if we put it in the right hands and walk in obedience, His power and provision is with us. Jesus explains that even further later on in the same chapter when he's being confronted, watch this, by the crowd that catches up to him the day after that miraculous feeding. Here's where it gets ugly. John chapter 6, 26. These people come and they say, Rabbi, how'd you get here? Where are you? You know, where you been? How'd you get here? He tells them, listen, I I love the fact Jesus don't pull no punches, man. He just... He speaks truth. Amen? He says, listen, I'll tell you the truth. You're looking for me not because you saw miraculous signs, but because you ate the loaves and had your fill. See, they were coming after him because he fed them. And he's going to use this opportunity right now to elevate their minds. It's not about the physical bread which can keep you alive. He's saying you need the spiritual bread. So that you can really live. So verse 27, he tells them, listen. Do not work for food that spoils, but for food that endures to eternal life, which the Son of Man will give you. On Him, God the Father has placed the seal of approval. And so they answered, What must we do to do the work that God requires? And Jesus answered, The work of God is this, to believe in the one that He sent. And so they asked them, Listen to this, listen to the nerve, the testicular fortitude that these Jewish people have here. He asked him, they asked him, what miraculous sign will you give that we may see it and believe you? What will you do? Our forefathers ate the manna in the desert. As it is written, he gave them bread from heaven to eat. They're trying to manipulate Jesus by quoting scripture. Who else does that? Satan. But here God's people are trying to manipulate Jesus by quoting scripture. They they want Jesus to set up some kind of deal where God would feed them bread all the time like he did to the people in, in the desert. They said, Moses gave our forefathers bread from heaven. What are you going to do for us so that we can believe you? Isn't that a lot like our prayers sometimes? What are you going to do, God? What are you going to do for me now? What have you done for me lately? For you 80s heads. What are you going to do so I can believe? Isn't that the arrogance of man today? Isn't that the arrogance of of our society? God, what are you going to do so that I can believe? As if, what is the other option? Oh, the other option is stars collided and the planets formed and everything lined up and everything works in perfect orbit is such a beautiful thing and then out of that uh, a tadpole created in the in the sand and that became a fish to a frog to a monkey to a beast to this to a man now i walk upright well that's the other option that we have to believe he's saying what are you going to do that we would believe jesus replies like this 
Verse 47, I tell you the truth. He who believes has everlasting life. I am the bread of life. Your forefathers ate manna in the desert, but they died. But here is the bread that comes down from heaven, which a man may eat and not die. I am the living bread that came down from heaven. If anyone eats of this bread, he will live forever. This bread is my flesh, which I will give for the life of this world. Then the Jews began to argue sharply amongst themselves, it says. How can this man give us flesh to eat? Think about what's going on now. The Jewish people are tripping. He's saying, this flesh, this bread is my flesh, and you got to eat it. Would that make some of you trip if, you know, if, 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 if I was like saying that like for real? You got to eat my flesh and drink my blood. That's what he's telling the Jewish people. So they're tripping because all they're concerned with was eating. So Jesus used the illustration of eating and it scandalized them because when you eat something, it literally gets inside you. And that's the point Jesus was trying to make. It becomes a part of you. It goes through your bloodstream, through your whole body. They're thinking physically. He's trying to get them to think spiritually. So look, Jesus says to them, verse 53, I tell you the truth, unless you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink His blood, you have no life in you. Somebody said, that's crazy. Right? He, he says, whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood has eternal life. I'll raise him up on the last day. For my flesh is real food and my blood is real drink. Whoever eats my flesh and drinks my blood remains in me and I remain in him. Just as the living Father sent me and I live because of the Father, so the one who feeds on me will live because of me. This is the bread that came down from heaven. Your forefathers ate manna and died, but he who feeds on this bread will live forever. See, Jesus is saying you got to taste and see. You have to taste and see. He told them the bread meant his flesh, his life, which he was about to give up. He was about to lay his life down for the word. His blood was about to be spilled out. Here, Jesus is plainly declaring his death. He's saying to them plainly, listen, my death is going to be a sacrifice and an atonement for the sin of this world. And that as no human life could be preserved unless there was bread, proper nourishment, so no soul can be saved without the partaking of this death. I think this is one of the toughest teachings Jesus ever speaks to these people. He's saying your religions, your rituals, your ceremonies, your sacrifices will do you no good. He's saying your nationality, your birthright, who you came from, who you are will do you no good. Your lineage will do you no good. Being good enough will do you no good. Having good works will do you no good. You could lose it all right here if you don't get this. Jesus was saying, I'm about to pay the price for it once and for all and for all who believe. I am the bread of heaven. And the work that God wants from you is simply to believe in the one that has been sent. You have to believe it and accept it. In other words, you have to eat it. You, it has to get inside you. You have to taste and see. And now watch what happens here at the end of this passage. Verse 60, it says, On hearing that, many of the, the disciples said, 
This is a hard teaching. This is a hard teaching. Who can accept it? And so aware that his disciples were grumbling, Jesus said to them, does that offend you? (laughs) Jesus was a bad church planner, man. There'd be five people left in church when he's done. I wouldn't wouldn't call Jesus to start any church because there'd be five people left in church when he's done. He said, did that offend you? See, because Jesus was never concerned about preaching what was popular. He spoke the truth. He was the truth. He is the word. So he didn't have to worry about making it popular or common or relevant. Or I am the word. I speak the truth. Does it offend you? Verse 66, it says, From that time on, many of his disciples turned back and no longer followed him. Jesus preached a message that made disciples turn away. Wow. The pastors would get fired all over the country if we did that. (laughs) Jesus preached a message that made disciples turn away. And then what does he do? He turns to his twelve. Everybody else is breaking out left and right. They're like, yo, this is too hard. Eating flesh and blood. No, this is... You're asking too much. You're asking too much of us. You don't want to do no miracles for us. You don't want to... You're asking too much. They left. And so what if Jesus turns to the twelve? He says, do you want to leave too? And Simon Peter answers him, Lord, to whom shall we go? You have the words of eternal life. We believe and know that you are the Holy One of God. I'm going to ask the ushers to come forth. Relax, we're not taking another offering. Let the ushers come forth with the emblems. Because we're going to take communion this morning. Listen, family, friends, guests... While the gospel is good news, the true gospel is not a popular message. People would rather hear seven ways to a prosperous life, five steps to true joy, three steps to find peace. But the bottom line is this, if you want to live a prosperous life, if you want true joy, if you want to find peace, you have to eat the flesh and drink the blood. You have to taste and see that God is good. And that meaning to that means you have to abide in Christ and have Him abide in you. Church, please stop making Jesus a good luck charm. Stop wearing a cross on your jewelry or or tattooing crosses or buying shirts with crosses because it's popular. There is nothing popular about the cross. The cross is the most unpopular message in society. No one wants to carry their own cross. No one wants to lay down their lives, not even for their wives, their husbands, or the children whom they love. Jesus laid it down for those that didn't even know Him. So I'm going to ask you today to come forward today to take an unpopular stand. But listen, if if you've only been around for a little while, the reason we don't do communion like on a regular is because I don't ever want this to be common. 
I don't ever want you to, to come in knowing today's communion Sunday. So, so we get the communion ready. We get, I, don't, I tell, I tell my, my team that the night before, because I, I, it's only when God puts it on me and, and we just happen to come to this scripture in, in John, and I said, it's time for communion. It's time to do this in remembrance of Him. But this can't be an empty ritual. This can't be something that, that's just something that we do once a month or once a... It, it has to be something that you would understand that Jesus is saying, taste and see that God is good. And by tasting, you're saying, God, I'm stepping in and I'm, I'm believing, I'm doing the work that God wants me to do. I'm believing in you. I'm believing you sent your son. I'm believing in the son. I'm believing that he died for my forgiveness. I believe in that his blood was shed, that I can be made whole, that I could be made healed, and that I could have eternal life. I'm believing that. I'm walking in that. And so that's not a common thing. And that's not a popular Message. So I don't want you to just follow the crowd as people come forward and get these emblems. I want you, I'm asking you to really today consider the cross. Consider the message of the gospel and respond to nothing else but that. And so if you're saying today, Jesus, I believe in the sacrifice of your flesh and your blood. God, I believe that you're calling me today and I'm answering. I want to taste and see. I'm going to ask you to get up right where you are. And, and, and watch this, watch this. If this is the first time that you're doing this, if this is the first time that you're, that you're taking a step, maybe before today you never considered yourself a Christian, you never considered yourself maybe a believer, because, you know, everybody's a believer. We believe in things. We believe there's a being, there's a deity or whatever, right? If you never considered yourself a Christian, I want you to come first. And you believe God is calling you today. I want you to be the first to come and receive the gifts. And understand, this is not the body and the blood. This is grape juice and bread. It's grape juice and bread. And, and in some religions, religious circles, they believe this becomes the flesh. And No, Jesus said, just do this in remembrance of me. Do this to remember that my body and blood was shed for you. And that's the only reason we do this. Amen? So if, if for the first time, I want you to come start walking down now. If this is the first time you're doing this, or it's been a long time and, and, and you're making this commitment to God, I want you to start walking down now. Come on. You come first. And then, and then amen, amen. Let's, let's, let's celebrate with our, with our family, with our new brothers and sisters. And now you can come after them. Come after them. Amen. Amen. I want you to just take the emblems, take them back to your seat, and just, just before, before you partake, just say, God, I thank you for your body, which was broken for me. And I thank you for the blood that you shed on the cross. I thank you that it was all for me. I receive it. I love you, God, and just partake together. Come on, come down.
distracted by those around you, just take a few moments to just thank God. Just thank God for his broken body and blood. churches and you, you might have you know kind of been back and forth and some places they, they'll tell you unless you're a member you can't come and get communion unless you've made uh, all kinds of things you know you can't come get communion if, if there's anything holding you back before you guys leave if there's anything holding you back I just want to speak against that religion Jesus said while you were still yet ungodly I died for you. And so that's, that qualifies each and every one of us in here. If Don't let anything, don't think, well, I've been too bad. I've done too much. There's, there's too much junk in my life. There's too much garbage in my past. I've, man, whatever it is you have, it, it, it's all right. Today you can bring it under the blood. Today you can bring it under the forgiveness of God. God says, I receive you. My grace is more than enough. My forgiveness is more than enough. So, so if, if, if things were holding you back, come. There's still a couple left. If not, I'll give you mine. Come on. All right. Is there anyone? Is there anyone? Come on. Is there anyone? Is there anyone that would just take this? That hasn't, that, that something's been holding you back. And maybe every time you've been in church a long time, communion comes around and you don't do it. I'm, I'm holding one for you. Would you come, please? Would you come, please? The word says, taste and see. And blessed are those that make, the, 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 that make God his, his refuge. 
Amen. I pray that nothing's holding you back. If there is, you come see us afterwards and we can, we can pray together. Our, the prophetic teams are going to be in the rooms. You can go there and tell them and we'll get you um, the emblems so that you can partake together. Amen. But listen to this. And if you're just doing this for the first time, we are so excited to rejoice with you. If you haven't partaken yet, let's just do that. Father, we just thank you for your blood. We thank you for your body, Lord God. We thank you that you were broken for us. We thank you, God, that you paid the price. We thank you, God, that, that even before we came to you, you came to us. We thank you. Your word says we can't come to you unless you draw us. So, Father, thank you for drawing us. Thank you for paying the price for us. We receive it right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Listen, for those of you that maybe just starting out, you just started, you just started doing this church thing, this God thing. Can I just share this with you in closing? My wife and I just celebrated our 20th wedding anniversary. Amen. And family, I will be the first to tell you that we didn't do everything right. But we came to God 20 years ago and we haven't turned back since. I wish I could tell you we followed God wholeheartedly since that day, but I would be lying. It took some time to go from where we were when we got there to where we are now. Can you receive that? It took some time to get to from where we were to where we are now. Listen, there were some awesome times. There were also some not so great times. There were times when we could almost literally see God's hand moving in our lives, where we could almost touch God's presence in our lives. But there were also some times when it seemed like God was missing in action. At times, there were times when you feel like, whoa, God must have not gotten the memo that this was going to go down this way. But somehow, through the grace of God, we got through and we just renewed our vows. We just set our hearts and minds again to get through some more together. And you know what happens after 20 years of marriage? You learn to understand one another better. You learn to trust one another better. And you learn to enjoy one another. You know what happens when you walk with God for 20 years? You learn to understand one another better. You learn to trust one another more. And you learn to enjoy one another. And so while there might be times and situations that, that, that went down that you can't completely figure out or fully grasp, I look back and know that even through the hardest times, that we went through we were in God's hands even when it didn't feel like it we were in God's hands even when we didn't know all the whys and how comes God's grace sustains us and so I want to close with this prayer 
in Ephesians 3.16, Paul says it beautifully like this. I pray that out of the glorious riches, that he may strengthen you with power through his spirit in your inner being, so that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith. And I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all of the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love which surpasses all understanding, that you may be filled to the measure of all of the fullness of God. And now to Him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to His power that is at work within us, to Him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus through all generations forever and ever. Amen and amen. God bless you. We love you. Would you hug some people before you're done? Would you encourage some people before you're done? And remember that the prophetic teams are going to be in the back here. If you want to just get a, a destiny word spoken over your life, comes, come that way. We love you. We want to thank you for coming. And we'll welcome you Wednesday for prayer. Welcome home to the sanctuary. A place of rest for the broken and weary. Where you can let go. Cause you're fully known. By forever daddy. Oh how we love you so. Thank you for supporting the Sanctuary Fellowship. We are a new and growing church with a passion and a heart towards enjoying God, serving people, and building healthy families. We pray that you will continue to fellowship and grow with us as we follow hard after God. Don't forget to visit us on the web at www.sanctuaryfellowship.org. God bless. us.